Hello and welcome to Meet Me at the Movies. I am Noel T. Manning II. Really appreciate you as always taking the time to be with us. Uh, and as you hear me say every week, we always know that you've got better things to do. So when you take that time to be with us, we want you to know how much we do appreciate it. Uh, John Gray, good to see you, man. Uh, you and I have talked a few cool. times um, and you've been on this show uh, as it related to the Real to Real Film Festival. Thomas was doing an interview segment and got a chance to interview you. Uh, and congratulations on that short film win as well back uh, for Real to Real. So congratulations. And I know you've got some other Real to Real stuff coming uh, as well next year. That's right. Yes, we do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, John, uh, but we haven't had you on this show to just talk about you. And we, we and you and I talked uh, and, and you, you shared with me that uh, you have this love of Frank Capra and there's a connection to that. And I said, hey, let's bring you on to talk about Frank Capra. So we're going to spotlight uh, Capra today. But uh, before we dive into that, I'd really love for you to give uh, our viewers and our listeners, whether they're tuning in through C19 TV or if they're listening through uh, Radio WGWG, I'd love for you to give some background about uh, kind of who you are as a filmmaker, where that love came from, and, uh, and, and some of the things that you've been able to, to take part in. Well, thanks, Noel. First, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm so happy to be back with you guys. Um, yeah, you know, I was very fortunate, I think, because I, I figured out at a very, very early age, like 12 or 13, that I want to make movies with my life. This is what I want to do. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I grew up in Brooklyn. And I think having that goal uh, really kind of kept me focused and kept me out of trouble. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I was always working towards that in one way or another. And I think what, what, what got me about movies, I think first of all, I, I, I was affected by actors because that's my only exposure to storytelling at that time. Uh, what, you know, what I saw on TV or what I saw in the movie theater. And I thought the actors kind of did it all. Uh, so of course I want to be an actor. Um, and uh, I used to put on plays uh, behind my building in Brooklyn, there was a loading dock. <laughs> and it, if, you, if you really squinted hard, it could look like a stage because it was a raised area. And were... So I would put on plays. All my friends would come, uh, you know, make fun of me. Uh, <laughs> <in the> dock. <laughs> but I remember, and of course, always starring me. And uh, Of course. Was, of course. Yeah, 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 please. Um, and I was very obsessed with the Civil War and historical things. It was always about a play. I played Lincoln or, you know. But uh, believe it or not, I remember being on this stage, as it, as it were, that I would get frustrated that I couldn't control where my audience looked. You know, if I was on the stage and I pulled out a gun, right. you know, and I wanted to see the gun and then see the frightened face of the person and my determined face, I couldn't really do that. And I started to think to myself, if I had a camera, I could do that with a camera. I, wow. could, I could do shots. And that's what started getting me excited about, about that. And I had an uncle who had an old uh, regular eight millimeter movie camera, which as you probably know, but very few other people do, <laughs> not ancient. Um, this was a camera that ran 16 millimeter film. Uh, and they, you, would, you would shoot 25 feet and then flip it and then shoot another 25 feet. And at the lab, they would split it down the middle. So yeah. you had eight millimeter yeah. film. And so my uncle had one of those cameras, he lent it to me. And I started to make movies and I started to, re I started to realize that the actors were important but they were really uh, an element of the entire process of filmmaking. And I realized there's a consciousness behind the camera that's actually telling the story. And so luckily for the world, that's where I lost interest in acting. And uh, 
and you know became more about directing and you know I, I think it was very fortunate for me that I never really understood just how difficult a task I had set for myself you know I'm a kid I'm in Brooklyn my father was an iron worker uh, I had no connection to the film business at all and yet I was determined that I would do this with my life and I think if I had known then you know someone said to me well it's going to take 10 years of starving before you even make a living at it. Right. Maybe, maybe I would have been discouraged, you know, but, but I, I didn't know that uh, until after the 10 years had passed. <laughs> so, uh, um, and I, that, that's really it. I, I just love storytelling, love filmmaking. Um, I still am as excited today to see a movie as I was when I was 12. Yeah. Um, I just love it. What, what were some of those movies early on, some of those early actors that really spoke to you? Well, you know, believe it or not, the first movie my mother took me to um, uh, was called Madam X. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was Joan Crawford. <laughs> and we, we saw it at the Lowell's Oriental in Bensonhurst, in the neighborhood right next to my neighborhood. And uh, it was this pot boiler where Joan Crawford plays this woman who gave her son up uh, at birth. And uh, she had a terrible life, you know, became homeless. All these horrible things happened to her. And then later on, she's accused of a murder. And in the meantime, her son has become a lawyer. And so she hires the son without him knowing that she's his mother. Yeah. And, you know, I was nine, I guess, when I saw this or something, I don't know. But I was riveted. I, this high drama. And, of course, the mother and son thing. You know. And so that was one that really, really stuck with me. And then, believe it or not, there was a... Uh, remember the Hallmark Hall of Fame series? Yes, yes. Like the prestigious television <laughs> series. Yeah. And they did a, um, an adaptation of The Price by Arthur Miller. Okay. And it starred uh, Jersey Scott and Barry Sullivan. And I watched this movie at, at home. It was really like a, a, a videotape play. They did it as a play. And um, it had a profound effect on me because it had it's just so many themes that speak to me about fathers and sons and working class and and uh, guilt mm -hmm. and that more than anything else really made me feel like the way that I feel when I'm watching this, if I can make other people feel that way, yeah. that would be a great way to spend my life. Yeah. That, that's really how I felt. Yeah. And the great coda to that story is that ultimately later on in my career, I was able to direct four Hallmark Hall of Fame. Wow. <laughs> when that's they were awesome. still, of course, <laughs> to be recognized. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you talk about how the movies make you feel and you talk about how the, that everyday man or the working class man. And when I think about uh, a lot of Capra's films, Frank Capra's films, they found a way to, to do that. And they did that through, of course, some great casting, but also you, you, you got to have a great screenplay. You got to have a great story to be able to make it happen from the start. So I think it's a great segue to dive into uh, the work of Capra and what it is about Capra that, that connects to you and, and that you've connected to? Well, I discovered Capra, um, you know, again, early on, uh, you know, back when I came of age in the seventies, of course, you know, there was no streaming, there was no DVDs, there wasn't even any VHS yet. Um, you either saw movies in the theater that were released or you would see them later on television all chopped up, terrible. So, in New York, the way you could see movies, well, and in other places, of course, too, in the country, but you, you, had, you could go to revival houses where they would show great classic movies. And in New York, we had the um, Bleecker Street Cinema in the village. We had Carnegie Hall Cinema in Midtown. 
And on the Upper West Side, we had the Regency. Mm -hmm. These were great, great theaters and they you know, showed classic films. Yeah. And one summer, Carnegie Hall Cinema and Bleecker Street Cinema did a program of Hollywood classic films from the 30s and 40s. Wow. The entire summer, six movies a weekend, three double features, Friday, Saturday, wow. and Sunday. And I went there every week. This is the kind of wild, crazy teenager I was. You know, my idea of a hot weekend. <laughs> I, would go, I would go and watch these two movies, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday night. And they were all these classic films. And I was so, I felt so lucky because I got to watch them the way my parents did. Yeah. In yeah. a big theater, a big screen, packed with people. And I always remember walking out of those theaters on those hot summer nights in Manhattan and being filled with just these dreams and, and being affected by what I saw and just being so amazed that I could be affected by something that had been made 30 years before. Yes. And that's where I saw my first Capra films uh, um, you know, on, on big, big screens. And I was just struck by how funny they were, how human they were, and how fast they were. And the yes. pace was just furious. Yeah. I love that. And um, It's a Wonderful Life, which everyone knows Capra for now. And of course, when he made it, it for 1946, it was a failure. I mean, right. Critically drubbed, nobody saw it. And it was released after Christmas. It was released in January. Yeah. Yes, that's right. That's right. What are you doing? And uh, we can talk about more about that later. But uh, um, I, I came to that film much later on because I was I was watching you know Meet um, um, John Doe and Happen One Night, which I thought was the classic films of all time. The Walls of Jericho, you know, just fantastic. <laughs> um, and so uh, it, it's a wonderful life. I happened to catch one one on Christmas on a Christmas Eve night, and I was I had this little crappy apartment in Brooklyn. And I had this little black and white, like 12 inch screen. <laughs> and I was flipping, I couldn't sleep, flipping the channels and there was It's a Wonderful Life. And I saw Capra's name, yeah. I started to watch it. And of course I was completely blown away by this movie. And it's, it's now a tradition in our family every Christmas Eve or, or near Christmas anyway, we, we watch it again. Um, so that's how I became you know, enamored of Capra. And uh, I read his autobiography, The Name Above the Title, which right. was phenomenal. And um, I, I was lucky enough to have a brief, uh, um, uh, we, we wrote letters to each other. We got brief correspondence at the world. Wow. Um, I, I asked him for advice. And yeah. and yeah, this is before the days where I could send him a link to a film. You know, <laughs> yeah. All I could do is describe the movie I made. You know, I'm not going to send him a print. <laughs> but he was very encouraging and he signed the picture for me. Wow. And uh, uh, at that point, he was retired and living in um, Palm Springs, La Quinta. Um, but you know, he, he, he was the kind of person who paid it forward and you know, cared about young people and just, I just loved his films. Yeah. What were there, were there any things that he shared with you that remain with you today through those letters or through those, uh, those dialogue that you had? Yeah, yeah. His, his big thing was to never get discouraged. Wow. That was his big thing in life, you know, and because he had a very difficult life, you know, he came here as an immigrant. Yeah. Um, didn't really speak the language. Um, incredibly smart, but lived in very degrading conditions. And, you know, he was determined to get out of that. And, and, uh, uh, and you know, he was trained as a scientist. He was a trained engineer, went to Caltech. Yeah. Um, uh, and so just an amazing Renaissance man, really. Yeah. And he, you know, I, I, was, you know, I, was, I was having trouble in my 20s, you know, getting taken seriously. And I remember I was too young to be making movies, very hard to get a foothold. And I was expressing them in letters and he'd write back and say, don't ever write a letter like that to me again. You know, do not wow. ever feel sorry for yourself. Do not ever be discouraged. Just go forward at all times. 
And I really, uh, I took on that attitude. And yeah. uh, I, you know, I learned from that anytime someone said no to me, yeah. um, it just made me more determined. Yeah. I didn't get upset, didn't get angry, didn't just, okay, thanks for your time. But yeah. inside, it was like, okay, I'm, I'm even tougher now. I'm going to make it. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's something that you've done as a filmmaker too. You've passed along that same thing to others. You've, you've paid it forward as well. Um, yeah. Well, one of the things you mentioned, and we're going to go to break in just a second, but one of the things you mentioned about being able to see these films on the big screen, the way they were intended, my son Thomas has developed into someone who loves film and you've got, you got to know Thomas before you and I got to meet. Uh, he interviewed yeah. you a while back and uh, I got a chance to take him to see Lawrence of Arabia during one of these revival um, showings uh, just a, a couple years ago and so I also got a chance to take him to a few other films that he had never seen but he got to see them for the first time on the big screen and I loved that I absolutely loved that and you know here we are in uh, you know kind of a COVID world and we were not able to do those things as much uh, anymore but uh, I, I always encourage people if you can see it on the big screen do it and the time will come back that we'll be doing that again uh, yeah. embracing yeah. it again uh, you are watching Meet Me, the movies right here on C19 TV. I'm Noel T. Manning II, uh, hanging out with John Gray, and we're talking about Frank Capra. Uh, join us. Come back after this quick intermission. Uh, we're going to talk more about Frank Capra. We're going to dive into the films that John Gray feels uh, are the ones you must see. If you've never seen a John, uh, never seen a Capra, Frank Capra film, ones you must see right after this quick intermission on Meet Me at the Movies. Thanks for joining us. They're going to put me in the I would tell anybody that's interested in getting broadcasting that um, this is a really exciting field to be in. The possibilities are endless. And every day is different. Um, there's always something new. Um, you're always on your toes. It's, I think the good thing about, you know, a school like Cleveland Community College is they're really good at keeping up with the latest technologies. My experience um, with the broadcasting program has been everything and more. I've hosted a television show here. I've done radio shows, I've, I've made my own commercials, all kinds of exciting things, digital animation. And I've never thought I'd have a career in news that I enjoy. It's just really exciting to you know, have a career where you're in control of what two million people in the area are watching every night. It's really exciting and enriching and fulfilling work. It doesn't feel like a job. I mean, I get to hang around all day and make television. I mean, just listen to that. Now the question is, are you ready to start your journey today? According to the National Institute of Mental Health, over 6.9% of the nation's population is depressed. And the ASPCA estimates that 6.5 million animals enter shelters a year nationwide. Adoption has helped me and her. Maybe it could help you. Adopting a pet has helped her cope with depression as well as many others like her. For more information regarding pet adoption, please visit ASPCA.org today.
Education is our most powerful tool to improve and change our world. Hi, I'm Rhonda Benfield, your host for School Matters. Join me for a new program every other week with information from and about the students and staff of Cleveland County Schools. Discover what our schools are doing to challenge students and help them reach their full potential. You can catch us on Spectrum Cable Channel 19 or stream us live on C19.tv. They're gonna put me in the movies. They're gonna make a big star out of me. Welcome back to Maybe the Movies. Noel T. Manning II here hanging out with John Gray, and we are talking about Frank Capra right before the break. Uh, John was sharing with us about his communication with Capra years before he died and how he uh, helped encourage you to never give up, to, to keep moving forward, to keep moving forward, and to keep moving forward. And I, and I love that. Absolutely love that. And it's great that he took the time to, uh, to do that with you. And so yeah. man, I appreciate you sharing that. Well, well as you, you talked about seeing Capra on the big screen and getting a chance to really uh, appreciate the stories uh, and the characters. So if we uh, are, are talking to our audience about Capra films they must see. Of course, it, it, during the month of December every year, you can watch It's a Wonderful Life. And it's not just a Christmas movie. <laughs> you can you can watch it any time of year. But uh, you want to talk a little bit about that one some more, or do you want to go ahead and dive into some others that they should see? Well, I will say about It's a Wonderful Life, um, if you can, if, if you're really interested in seeing it, um, try to get a, a Blu-ray or a DVD disc of it that you know that it will say on the disc that it's the original uncut version. Because for many years, um, It's Wonderful Life was in public domain, which is really what it owes its success to because it had been a forgotten movie. But when TV stations were looking to fill their programming at Christmas time, they would look at these public domain movies, great, I don't have to pay for this, I'll slap it on. And that's how people got excited and people got reintroduced to it that way. Then critics started talking about it. So in that respect, it was a great thing. It was a bad thing in that those TV stations could cut the movie any way they wanted to fit, have the commercials fit in. So there were so many versions of this film floating around out there, um, missing key segments. So um, that's the only thing, you know, just out of respect to Capra uh, uh, and to make sure you're, you're, you had a good time, just make sure what you watch is the, you know, the cut. Gotcha, gotcha. But you had mentioned back before uh, the break, uh, one of those films that uh, Meet John Doe was one that you remember, and, and that's one that, that I appreciate as well. Share some thoughts on Meet John Doe and why that one is worth watching. Uh, I think that that's, it, it's one of Capra's great ones. Uh, um, it, it didn't really do as well as his, as his other films had done. I felt, I think some people felt it was too cynical. Um, I think Capra himself later felt it was too, 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 too cynical. Uh, and I, I think that that film might, um, uh, I don't know, it's, it sort of might be a small place in his filmography where, where it might, might start to turn for him a little bit, where he might have felt a little bit out of touch with the audience. And, you, know, not, you look at films like, uh, well, you know, look, it happened one night, of course, is you know, the classic screwball comedy, it defines screwball comedy. Uh, and what's great about that movie, as you, I'm sure you know, Noel, um, you know, nobody wanted to make that film. Clark didn't really want to make it, Colbert didn't want to make it. Uh, in fact, uh, Clark Gable was forced to make it as a punishment from MGM. Louis B. Mayer was punishing him by going to Gower Gulch and Columbia Pictures and you know, the, the slums of Hollywood 
to make this movie. Of course, it will not be for Oscars. And, you know, uh, it's, just a, it's just a fun movie. And again, the pace of it is so fantastic. It, it holds up you know, really beautifully in that respect. Um, uh, so you know, that, that's one that you, know, you can't miss. And of course, Mr. Deeds Goes to Town, which uh, was a really, really big patriotic film for Capra. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting about that film to me is that uh, Capra and, and Harry Cohn, who ran Columbia, uh, and Capra made all of his hits at Columbia, and he had a kind of a love-hate thing with Cohn, but he was really um, grateful to Cohn because Cohn gave him freedom and gave him the name above the title and that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. But um, a lot of uh, Washington powers and foreign powers wanted them to not release that film because they did, they did not want to have the, uh, the rest of the world see this and think that America was as corrupt uh, as the characters in this film were. Yeah. And so they did a lot of soul searching, soul searching about whether they should release it or not. And ultimately they did. It was nominated for 11 Academy Awards. Um, and I think people really got what he was trying to do with that movie. And people understood it was really about the American way, and, um, uh, you know, which is such an innocent time then. Um, yeah, so the, awesome. you know, you think about also the Mr. Smith goes to Washington, the common right. man, yes. um, you know, going and, and in, in so many ways, kind of a fish out of water. Right. And, but a fish out of water that, that can change the thought process or at least bring, uh, bring to, um, or at least maybe not change the process, but at least make people think right. a little bit about what the process is. Uh, and, and Jimmy Stewart, you know, he was one that, uh, you know, had, had had such success with, uh, with many filmmakers. I mean, they're not Hitchcock, but also Capra. Stewart had success with Capra and Capra had success with Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. They were a tremendous team. And what's interesting to go back to It's Wonderful Life again, 1946, it's the first film that they both made post-war. Yeah. And um, you could see how changed Jimmy Stewart was by his experience you know, with the war. You know, Capra didn't, Capra was 44, 45 years old, so he couldn't go and fight. Um, but he, he did enlist, he quit his career and enlisted uh, when the war broke out and made really, really valuable training films and uh, the Why We Fight series. Um, but it was a very interesting film. And as much as people... Um, you know, talk about Capricorn and, and you know, his, his sentimental movies. It's a Wonderful Life is a really dark film. Mm -hmm. um, it's a, just a lot of really dark stuff happens in that movie. And uh, the psychology of, of George Bailey is really interesting to look at. This is a guy who could argue, um, you know, really doesn't want success. He's afraid of it. And, you know, there's so many interesting things about that movie. You can just, you know, just go back to it. What's most interesting about it for me is that period it was made in and how both these guys resume their Hollywood careers, very changed people. Yeah, and, and uh, do you think that changed the way that people looked at film when they looked at that post-war time period and, and some of the things maybe they expected or wanted from those post-war films, post-World War II films? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think a lot of, you know, Capra scholars think that the audience had changed in those intervening years they were not as open to the kind of sentimentality that, that Capra you know, embraced. And um, you know, that film just came and went. It didn't, uh, it, it, it didn't get nominated for two Oscars, including Best Director. Um, but uh, it, it made, it was also the first movie that he made with the company he formed, Liberty Films, with uh, William Wyler. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and uh, you know, that was the, they only made a couple of films. Um, it was William Wyler and George Stevens. Um, 
I forgot the other film he made in 1948, but uh, um, it'll come to me. Uh, but you know, it, was, it was a nice utopian idea for Capra and these other directors to work without interference and work their own way. But um, it wasn't sustainable because the movies they made didn't make any money. Right, right, it was, it was right. a problem. Yeah, if, if there's another film that uh, anyone who's never watched Capra should see, what's one more Capra film they should see? I'd, I'd love to talk to you for like three or four hours, but I, I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there is, you know, the 19, uh, 1937 Lost Horizon. Okay. Really interesting film. Um, you know, it's dated. It doesn't hold up quite as well as his, as his others do. But technically, it's a very sophisticated film for the time. And he really used all his training as an engineer to, to pull off some amazing stuff in that. But it has just one of the great magical kind of moves to it, that film. I, I think you can find that. It's probably hard to find these days. But yeah. So what do, you, what do you think is the, the lasting legacy of Capra? I think that, you know, the belief in the individual, that was his big thing. Um, uh, the strength of will that you know people can have and, and embrace and, and and can accomplish things with and uh, yeah I, I think that um, I, you know he retired very young he retired at age fifty five wow he just couldn't deal anymore with the, with the Hollywood it changed and yeah and actors had all the power and he couldn't he just couldn't handle it right um, and so he went back to Caltech and taught at Caltech and um, for thirty for thirty some odd years he made science films that were in classrooms, well, probably not today anymore, but for many, many years. Yeah. So you know, even kids who had never heard of him were being affected by you know, what he had done. Um, so he gave just a great legacy and a great uh, um, lineup of films that he's made. And uh, you know, he's one of the, I think probably the only director who had 13 hit movies in a row. Wow. That, that's wow. Kind of mind boggling. Yeah. Maybe Spielberg has that, but <laughs> I, I'm not even sure he does. Yeah, well, and you know, what, 61, I guess, was his last film. And then the autobiography that you mentioned came out 30 years later, yeah. uh, name above the title. Is that the essential book that you would recommend? And I know there was a Frank Capra Conversations book that was out there as well that I've well, read. Years there's back. another book called, uh, I've, I've forgotten who the author is. I probably have it on my shelf here somewhere. Uh, it's called The Catastrophe of Success. Okay. It's a biography of Capra. It's a darker look at him. You know, his autobiography is great to read, but it's his autobiography. You know, right. It's right. his point of view. But this biography is very interesting and, and goes into some of the darker places of Capra. And, uh, and yeah, definitely good to have both of those as a balance. It's great. Absolutely. John, any final thoughts, final comments you'd like to share with us? I'll leave you with one of my favorite Capra stories, which, you know, he used to tell on himself. You know, uh, he became known, you know, it was the Capra touch and all of his films, which he didn't write, he just directed, um, you know, became, he got the, the creative credit for all of his films in every possible way. And Robert Riskin was the writer who wrote most of his big hits, uh, wrote all the films he made during the Columbia years. And at one point, Robert Riskin was so fed up with, with all the publicity and Capital loved it, you know, he had a pretty big ego. <laughs> and uh, so apparently he went down to the stage one day and he handed Capra a sheaf of 120 blank pages and said, here, give this to Capra Touch. Wow. I love that. Wow. <laughs> and I love that he told it on himself. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, John Gray, man, thank you so much for being our guest right here on Meet Me at the Movies, uh, talking about Frank Capra, 
and the work of, of Capra and uh, the, the man himself. And thanks for sharing your personal stories as well. Uh, people wanted to follow your work uh, because you are continuing to work yourself. What's the best way they can do that? I'm on Twitter. It's uh, J Thomas Gray, uh, G R A Y, J Thomas Gray. Awesome, awesome. Well, as always, I like to leave uh, our viewers and our listeners with a movie quote of the week. And this is a uh, movie quote. What's well, a quote that comes from a filmmaker by the name of Frank Capra? And uh, here's what Frank Capra has said I made mistakes in drama. I thought drama was when actors cried, but drama is when the audience cries. So I love that. And another one he said was a hunch is creativity trying to tell you something. So a couple quotes <laughs> worthwhile from Frank Capra. John Gray, thanks for being our guest right here on Meet Me at the Movies. And for all of those who take the time, again, we thank you, we appreciate you. And until next time, I'm Noel T. Manning II for John Gray. Uh, and for all the cast and crew right here at Meet Me at the Movies, that's a wrap. Happy